0: Welcome to the Good Reading Magazine podcast. Good Reading is a monthly magazine dedicated to books and reading and aims to help readers discover their next favourite book. You can find out more about the books discussed on today's podcast at goodreadingmagazine.com.au Carly's Fitbit was pink and rose
1: gold with a big square screen. And with it, she could control every aspect of her body and her life, even those parts that were usually unconscious. She'd even bought Colin a matching one for his birthday and then she'd synced them. Harley usually checked both of their Fitbit accounts when she arrived home from work in the quiet few minutes before she made dinner, looking back over each of their days to see the number of steps taken and heart rate and sleep quality because monitoring was the first step to improving performance considering she had an unexpected spare moment sitting in her car composing herself after this morning's disaster, Carly thought she'd check Colin's activities levels now. That's why she'd synced their accounts after all, so they could motivate each other. So she did. As a direct result of the disaster that had befallen her this morning, she changed her usual routine and opened the app on her phone hours before she normally did. It took her a while to find the right screen, but when she did, she saw that Colin had been exercising, which was a good thing. Though, so, wait a second, there was something strange about his activity pattern. He was only exercising in short spurts, which was understandable. He was at a conference, he was undoubtedly busy. The good news was his heart rate, intensity minutes, and calories burned had all peaked during the two days he'd been away. Actually, They'd all peaked alarmingly during both nights he'd been away, but only for 10 minutes. Kylie felt tension gripping along the line of her jaw, turning the sides of her throat to carved marble. Colin was only exercising, it turned out, between midnight and one o'clock in the morning.
0: Hello and welcome to the Good Reading Podcast. Tony Jordan has worked as a molecular biologist, a quality control chemist, a TAB operator and a door-to-door aluminium siding salesperson. She is the author of six novels, including the international bestseller, *Edition*, along with Nine Days, Our Tiny Useless Hearts, and Dinner with the Schnabels. Today I'm joined by Toni Jordan to talk about her latest novel, Prettier If She Smiled More. Toni Jordan, welcome to The Good Reading Podcast.
1: Thank you so much for having me, Greg.
0: Prettier If She Smiled More is your second novel involving the Schnabel family, And Kylie Schnabel, once a supporting character in Dealing with the Schnabels, now takes the limelight.
1: I love the idea of moving around the family and sort of seeing the world from each of their perspectives. Um, Back in my earlier years, I loved those um, Marion Keane's novels about the Walsh sisters, you know, the five Irish girls in the family. And, I mean, I loved all those, and I think Rachel's Holiday was probably my favourite. But what I particularly loved was the idea of you get to know one of these characters through their book, but then when you see them through the eyes of the rest of their family, you realise there's quite a gap between the way they see themselves and the way that other people see them. And this kind of gap between people's internal selves and external selves, is it's really interesting to me. I love that idea that we project differently from how we see ourselves. Um, so I had the idea for a while about looking at a family from a number of different directions. The first book I chose an in-law because I wanted that slightly removed view of everybody. So you could sort of see them at a scope, but I thought that Kylie might be the easiest. <laughs> one to write about that was not how it turned out Greg. she was very very difficult um but it's not a sequel by any means you don't have to have read the the previous book to make sense of this one but um she's quite cold and abrupt and and short in that book and I just wanted to get to the bottom of that why was she like that is that really what she was like what was her worldview like she showed me enough of herself in the previous book to make me intrigued about seeing the rest of her.
0: Now, her worldview or philosophy, if you can call it, that is quite interesting. And it's summed up in this lovely phrase, narrow horizons were a strength because it was easier to make everything perfect when there are fewer things to worry about. Now, that sounds like someone aiming low.
1: But we all know people like that, right? Like she's at the stage of her life where I in my mind, I call it the it's easier to do it myself phase. So it's not that people aren't offering to help her. She runs her, where she works, the pharmacy where she works. She runs the family, organises the whole family. She runs her relationship. She's, she's the boss of everything. People do say to her, I'll give you a hand at this. But she's at that stage where she goes, you know, you can. I can see her rolling her eyes going, it's just easier to do it myself. And we've all been slightly there. We've all looked at somebody who wants to help us and going, oh, my God, it's just easier if I do it myself. But that's her whole life. So it's not that people aren't trying to help her. She's just, she has the standards that means no one can do it the way she does.
0: Kylie would evidently be prettier if she smiled more, but why isn't Kylie smiling more?
1: She's far too busy. And she's got far too much responsibility and the whole world is resting on her shoulders, Greg. She's got, she's got stuff to do. Uh, <laughs> she's one of these people who make the world go round. You know, they just do everything properly. And when people do offer to help her, and as, I, as I've just said, they do, I think they do it secure in the knowledge that they'll be turned down. So, it, you know, her family can say, let me help you with that, Kylie. Knowing that they'll never be required to actually do anything, because she will say no. So I think um I think everybody has her worked out um, because you know she shows up for everybody except for herself.
0: So let's talk about the Schnabel family. All of these characters are probably familiar to anyone who's read Dinner with the Schnabels. They might remember Simon Larsen was married to Tansy Schnabel. Can you take us through the Schnabel family tree?
1: There are three siblings. Um, Kylie being the oldest, of course, the, the head, head girl and organizer. Um, Tansy is kind of the relaxed, overlooked middle child who's married to Simon and has a couple of kids. Um, Nick is the baby of the family. He's a retired footballer who is spoiled and quite indulged by everybody. Um, and then there is a half sibling as well, Monica, who, who, um, was a bit of a surprise to all of them when she showed up. Um and then of course the matriarch of the family is Gloria, the the mother of, of all these of the the three children.
0: So let's talk about Gloria, Gloria Schnabel, or should I say Planet Gloria?
1: Planet Gloria. <laughs> I love that. Look, she is um she's a really great character to write, but the only difficulty I have in writing Gloria is if I don't keep an eye on her, she will take over every scene. She will appear in in scenes that are none of her business. <laughs> I actually have to say to her, "This is not your book. This is Kylie's book." Um, and I have probably sixty pages of cut out Gloria scenes in another file that I had to remove just because I could not get her to shut up in all of in all of this story.
0: Is she a character out of control?
1: <laughs> Completely out of control, and she would she would be proud of being of being out of control. Uh, she just plows ahead and does whatever she wants. I spend a lot of time when I construct a group of people thinking about all the different facets of their personality and how someone in their family is the opposite of that facet. So Kylie, my very controlled um protagonist her mother is a is an out of control person who will just do something and then do something else and but somehow it all works out but For Kylie, you know, that's a source of immense stress, this kind of volcano going off near her.
0: Now, everything comes apart for Kylie over one disastrous week. One of those things is when Gloria breaks an ankle and she breaks an ankle after three martinis, I think, isn't it? Yeah. While wearing stilettos. (laughs) What does this mean for Kylie?
1: Well, Kylie is then, of course, the the person who has to move in and look after her mother um, because, of course, she is. So it, it's really a case of um, a very organised person moving into a, a little bit of a, a whirlwind and Kylie tries to take over and control Gloria and Gloria is not going to be controlled. Um, so, you know, part of the fun of constructing characters is putting them in situations that will really test them. Like if if I wrote a scene where Kylie uh, goes to joins the military and goes to boot camp like there is no fun in that greg because she would love that she would love getting up at you know 505 and doing 50 push-ups like that is all up her alley right so in order to get the most fun from characters you've got to put them in places that that really push their buttons and um Gloria runs her life in a completely different and Kylie would say irresponsible fashion so pushing Kylie face to face with that kind of anarchy is is where the fun in creating characters is.
0: And I think Gloria really puts Kylie in her place when she says, "Rules exist for a reason, Kylie, and that reason is to identify people who lack the imagination to think for themselves. So the rest of us know whom to avoid."
1: Yes, <laughs> that's really how she sees the world. She's like, "Yes, there are rules, but uh, they don't—they're not for me. They're for other people." Um, So she just goes about her own way and and works to get her own way. And Kylie finds this enormously frustrating. You can imagine someone who always does everything right.
0: We've heard a little bit about the Fitbit in the opening. What's the role of the Fitbit in Kylie's life?
1: Well, I really loved the idea of the Fitbit symbolising the way she thinks about really her body in general. Like for Kylie, her body is something that she can monitor. And she can, uh, move all the levers on. Like if she, her activity levels look low, she can go for a walk and build them up. And she can, if her sleep looks poor, she can have a cup of meal tea in an early night or whatever. The Fitbit gives her the illusion of thinking that she's in control even of her body. But, um, there's a point in your life, especially for women where your body is no longer under your control. It, it gives no care whatsoever to what your intentions are or how you think it should be. It's really on its own track. And for someone who's a very controlling person, when your body is refusing to play by the rules that you set for it, that's confronting. Like everything is changing around her and she's not a person who deals easily with change.
0: So syncing her Fitbit with Collins. Doesn't seem to have had a good outcome.
1: That was a bad idea from the start. But I can just see her going, you know. If I I can monitor, I can help you by monitoring your step count. And then if it's a little short, you know, if you're over here, we can go for a walk over after dinner or. You know, if you're at your place, I can send you a text and just keep an eye on it for you. And, you know, I can just see her being that bossy that she really, (laughs) she's keeping an eye on this poor man, you know, the number of steps he does a day. She would just relish it.
0: It seems to me that she might be on the path to losing control rather than gaining control.
1: Everything is going wrong. It's a really, it's a bad way
0: what I loved about this book was the way you combine humour and pathos and sarcasm. I mean, even the title suggests that there's something funny going on here. As an author, perhaps as a human being as well, do these elements work together for you quite naturally?
1: Humour and pathos especially. Um, uh, of course, there are many very fine books that are very sad, um, but for me it's not a genuine reflection of life because life is genuinely both sad and happy, and sometimes at the exact same time. And if you're not conveying that, 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 that the happiness comes with an immense amount of humour. I mean, life is ridiculous. It's so ridiculous. And to me, it's more it's a more honest reflection of what the world is really like, having those two things combined. I could never write anything funny that didn't have serious underpinnings because I think that's how humour works best when it bounces off something very serious underneath. But together, I think that's a, a genuine reflection of what life is like.
0: I couldn't let this conversation go without talking about that date scene. <laughs> now, that's a date with Patrick at an Indian restaurant and quite a contrast to the family dinner that uh, happened a couple of days later.
1: Um, that scene is honestly one of the my the favourite things I've ever written, I think, in my whole <laughs> writing life. Kylie is fixed up on a kind of a blind date with a friend of her brother's and what I really liked about it was on paper they're perfect for each other because he is also very focused on his work and, and successful and a go-getter kind of person. I really liked the idea that you're filling out a personality questionnaire. They would probably tick all the same boxes but they're not connecting on this date. I think it's just his his view of the world She's very critical of him, like she's not there to have a good time. She's there to find fault in him and he provides her with plenty of material to find fault with.
0: That uh, fault finding, I think, works both ways, doesn't it? Uh, He doesn't believe pineapple should be on a pizza. He thinks that uh, a pizza without pineapple is not a pizza.
1: Because they do look so good together on paper, the things that they're disagreeing about are quite minor, silly things, but it's just that that, um, he wants to help her, I guess. He's got plenty of advice and she's not the kind of person who takes advice. So they don't connect and I I really loved um, writing that scene. That's another scene that I actually had to cut quite a lot out of um, in the final edits because I was just amusing myself going on way too long about this date scene and and all the things that they're kind of side-eyeing each other about. Since the book has come out, I can't tell you how many people of both sexes have said to me, oh, my God, I've got a horror date I have to tell you about. So it's been great for, for uh, harvesting other story ideas.
0: Your writing suggests to me that you have a lot of fun while you're doing it, and also as if you have some sort of special insight into family life and the dynamics.
1: Well, I do have one of these multiple blended families, so I'm the oldest, which would probably not surprise you, like Kylie, I have a, a younger sister, and then I have two younger stepbrothers that came with my stepfather. And then I have two younger half-sisters from my father's second marriage. And between the six of us, we're spread over 20 years. There's quite a spread going on. So I have steps and halves and step-parents and ex-step-parents, and um, it's quite a convoluted family life. But as for your other point about um, enjoying myself, I just, I have very uh, little patience for being miserable. And I just cannot, I couldn't um, sit down every day if I thought it was going to be really dreary. These are the first two books that I've actually sat down with an intention in my mind about the the way I wanted to leave the reader feeling. So when I started writing the first Dinner with the Schnabel's, I sat down and thought, right, now I'm going to write a comedy. And that was really, I've never been so clear in, in my intention about what it was I was actually doing. Um, I just feel that we need that I certainly need to laugh more. And I think a lot of us need a little bit more humour in our lives. Humour is good for you and it, it builds your resilience and it's good for your health and it helps you feel connected to other people. And I don't think we give it half the respect that we really should.
0: Could we expect further explorations of the Schnabel family?
1: It'd be interesting. Like I, I, I've been thinking recently about. I haven't started anything else, um, but you know, Nick, that younger brother, he, he's such a little. Sh- That's alright. <laughs> <a> little rat. <laughs> he's kind of he's he's up himself. He a little slap around the chops would do him really. I'd like to bring him down off his high horse a little bit. That would be a fun story, I think.
0: Tani Jordan, it's been fun, just as I thought it might be. And thank you for joining me on the Good Reading Podcast.
1: It's been a pleasure, Greg.
0: I've been talking to Tony Jordan about her new book, Prettier If She Smiled More. It's published by Hachette, and you can find it at goodreadingmagazine.com.au. My name's Greg Dobbs, and thanks for listening. (music) Subscribe to Good Reading Print and Online Magazine at goodreadingmagazine.com.au.